Hi, I'm Maddie, and I don't have a hobby. Hi, I'm Haley, and I have too many hobbies. And I've taken it upon myself to get Maddie hooked on just about anything. In this podcast, we're talking true crime. We're talking Enneagram. We're talking mental health. We're talking Scientology. And just about everything in between. So we're inviting you on a journey that you definitely didn't ask to be invited on. In the hopes that you too would like to be Average, average girls Average and owning it Average and owning it Yeah. Hey guys, welcome back (laughs) to another episode of In Case You Weren't Wondering About The Missing Persons Case of Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible. What she said. Yeah, what I said. <laughs> um. Anyways, Maddie, how are you? Good. I just, I'm in the middle of working a 12, actually 13 day work week. So. What? I'm tired, but. <laughs> Since when? Yeah, we had moving all weekend. Oh, so you had to work all weekend? Yeah. I oh, that's why I did. Did I see you? Nope. I had to be there every day at 730. Oh. Ooh. Was I late a few days? Yeah. Were you late every day? Probably. Uh, no, not every day, but oh, gosh, it's just when my body is exhausted, there's no, there's no waking it up. Maddie and I, whenever she first came over, for some reason, we ended up walking through every little nuance of how we do our morning schedules one by one. And she lives the exact opposite schedule than me. It oh. actually scared me yours did. Why? It was so much to do. Well, yeah, because I get up way earlier. It's not like... I just there's no such thing as like a slow morning to me, and oh, I don't I love like it. Slow mornings, unless the slow morning starts at no earlier than 10 a.m. I I mean ideally I would be sleeping in, but like if I can't, I would no, rather because I don't. The idea of being rushed, like being rushed in the morning, not being able to get all my stuff done, feeling frazzled, sets off my whole day. Oh. I thrive under pressure. Oh, I don't. Okay, that's the difference because I don't thrive under pressure. I have to have everything set up. Like if I forget one thing, I'm like, But here's the thing. I love getting up with enough time to get everything done just on time before I need to go. Like I like it to be perfectly timed out. Do I do that every day? No, but that's my preference. But I'm perfectly timed out to leave and get to work on time. Yeah, but But I like, I purposely, I'm like a psycho about it though. I'm like, okay, I have to be downstairs by 5.10. Then yes, at 5.15, my coffee's done. And then, like, I'll, like, set it up five minutes at a time. But so this then I have is what chunks. I'm saying. Like, you schedule in things that seem so extra to me. Not Ooh, extra in, like, a dramatic sense. I just mean, like, not necessary. Well, yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not. And I don't do it all. I mean, I could fall out of the schedule easily. But for a while, I usually do it. Like, even it. if I had all the time in the world, I wouldn't do, uh, what is it called? A lymphatic massage. <laughs> okay, you whenever do. you say it like that, it makes it sound like I'm being extremely excessive. Listen, you know how you have a puffy face in the morning? Yeah. I, I I can't look at myself like that. I just can't look like that. I can't go to meetings looking like that. I actually don't like So you just do a little solid. vitamin E and you just do a little, a little. What is it? What was the title? Gua sha, baby. Yeah. I'm not saying that I'm hating on you for that. I wish I had time, I guess, in some time in my day to do gua sha. Okay, you know what? I'm over you right now. <laughs> I'm not hating on you. I'm you are. Me. No, no, no. You are. No, but I'm it's not. okay. No, I'm fine, Maddie. I'm, I'm, I'm. Tough. You like a slow morning. I don't. That's Maddie. That's also wakes saying. up. She slept over on work nights, and we'll wake up. We're like, Maddie, you know you have to be at work in ten, and she's like, has quite literally just rolled out of bed. She's like, yeah, I'll make it on time. It's not a big deal. Well, you live very close. 
With that being said, we are going to jump into our hot take. But what we're going to do is like celebrity versus celebrity. Like who your preferred oh, okay. one is. Some of them kind of look alike, and that's why I paired them. Okay. Some of them are both like artists, and that's why I paired them. Okay, so like in what aspect am I – like are they my favorite? I'll, I'll like preface it. Okay, okay. Okay, so this one is in the genre of comedy. Okay. These two are – both really funny but I think that they're different types of humor they're different types of humor and I think you would prefer one or the other like if you asked do you think I already have a preference yeah but I don't know what it is I think I do though okay Okay. Will Ferrell versus Jim Carrey oh Will Ferrell okay I'm Jim Carrey really for sure what yeah why why. because Jim Carrey is really stupid and I love like stupid stupid like the dumbest humor I don't know why. I almost wish I was Will Ferrell because I think that's more of a popular answer. Yeah. But I'm just not. I could see you thinking that that kind of stuff is funny. Yeah. I, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Really? Beat yeah. You do like stupid humor more than yes. I do. And Will Ferrell's like stupid humor too. It's yeah. Just <laughs> you're like, well, no, 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 no. Will no, Ferrell's also stupid. <laughs> no. No, I think it's because like if I had to pick out of a list of comedies, like my top five, Step Brothers is in it. And I just think that's like I agree. My yeah. like one of my all-time favorites. I don't know. Yeah, Will Ferrell's funny. Okay. This one, they kind of look the same and I feel like they have the same demeanor. Okay. Natalie Portman versus Kira Knightley. Um they do have the same demeanor. I feel like I want to go Natalie Portman. I do too. I just think I, she's a class act. She really is. Yeah. yeah. I think I see her in more stuff. I think she's more versatile in the role. I agree. She's she's so cute, but I feel like she just is well-rounded. Yeah. Like, I feel like she's funny, too. Mm-hmm. She's also, like, I'm just, like, listing all the things about her that I you, like. Just things you know about Natalie Portman that we just don't know about <laughs> Karen Knightley. <laughs> <laughs> she really loves her mom. I love that about okay. her. Okay, this one. They're both, like, B.A. beautiful music industry people. Beyonce, Rihanna. Oh, that's hard. hard. I don't even know what my answer would be. Beyonce, because of her old music, but Rihanna, because of who she is, her music. I just, like, stand her as a person. I do, yeah. I don't with With Beyonce, Beyonce, yeah. But I love her old music. See, I like her newer stuff. Uh, Not as much. I just feel like I grew up on her old stuff. Uh, I think I would have to sit, probably say Beyonce because I don't think I ever go out of my way to listen to Rihanna necessarily, but I do go – unless it's her old stuff, but I do go out of my way to listen to Beyonce. Um, these people, <laughs> they don't necessarily look the same. I don't even really know why I put them together, but okay. for some reason there's a correlation between the two to me. Okay. Miley Cyrus and Kristen Stewart. Well, yeah, why did you put those together? I don't know. I think it's because they both had, like, the chopped blonde hair at some point. I guess. I don't like them compared. I don't either. They're nothing alike. Here's the thing. I want to say Miley just because I have zero connection at all to Kristen Stewart. Uh And she's not a good actress. (laughs) She's the worst. But have you seen Hannah Montana, though, as an adult? Hannah, or it's glorious. I don't know what you're talking about. What am I saying? (laughs) Miley Cyrus was horrible. No, she so wasn't. corny. No, she was. Yeah, but they they did her wrong with the script. Sure. Um, you know the script of Hannah Montana. Uh, I don't know. I guess I would go Miley, but listen, I'm still hurt about the whole Liam thing. I don't know if I'm ever really gonna get over that one. See, I think I would go Miley too, only because the last thing I liked of Kristen Stewart was Panic Room when she was like 
11 years old. That's just not true. What? Twilight. You love Twilight. I do love Twilight, but I'm not saying she should be an award-winning actress for that performance. How many times do you think you watched Twilight? I love Twilight because of the books. So it doesn't matter who played her. I would have loved it anyway. Yeah, but you, you, you're connected now. Well, I'm still going Miley, even though I'm not even that big of a fan of Miley, honestly. I'm not really anymore either, but do I still jam out to some old Miley 100%? Yeah. The Bangers album? The song Drive? Yeah. Bangers drive, album was Drive so my good. heart into the night. You can drop your keys off in the morning. <laughs> okay. Um, next one. Um, these two, I feel, are the same age. Okay. And they're both, like, pretty. <laughs> I'm just imagining Googling them and then one of them being 45 and one being 13. <laughs> I think they're in the same age bracket. I don't know. Okay, so tell me and I'm going to Google I just it. think they're pretty brunette, like, older than us. Okay. They're not our age. Um, Mandy Moore versus Jessica Biel. Okay, they might be the same age. Right? Aren't they, they similar? Okay, Mandy Moore's age, and I know I already know my answer. She's 36, and Jessica Biel... And I like Jessica Biel. And she's 38. Okay. So you're in the same okay. Biel house. Mandy Moore, 100%. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I'm Jessica Biel all day. What? Yeah. We disagree on everything. I don't know why. Oh, my God. I love I Mandy Moore. I think Mandy Moore is pretty, but I don't – I think I associate her with some of her characters that I don't like. Um, Jessica Biel, however – Don't hold that against her. I know. Maybe I shouldn't. But I feel like she plays the role too well because she has a little bit of that in her. No, never. I could just be misjudging her or whatever. I still like Jessica Biel, though. Mostly because she's funny and she's married to Justin Timberlake. And I feel like their is, relationship yeah. is really healthy and, like, fun. Okay, let me give you my Mandy Moore spiel. First of all, okay. this is us. Love it. Live for it. Would die for it. She loves the Steelers. Guess what I love? The Steelers. Now, so all moving of these on. answers are lame. Hold on. <laughs> Okay, so are we going to do this whole podcast? Are you attacking me? Is that You know I'm sensitive, so I just want to figure out. I'm not attacking you at all. No, no, I just want to figure out, like, if that's where we're at tonight. Is no, that where we're at? I haven't attacked you yet tonight. Yeah, okay. You have a weird fuzz on your head, and I wasn't even going to tell you about it because you look stupid. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I put it there. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, so is that your spiel? No, I'm not done. Okay, so my favorite author, mm-hmm. Nora McInerney. McInerney? Yeah, you gonna make fun of her? No, she has a just podcast making too. Sure that that's what you said. Yeah, that's her name. Okay. Now I feel aggressive. <laughs> she, I'm sorry. she is friends with her. Okay. And they chat. They're besties. Okay. And I trust that woman's judgment over anybody else in my life. I think. Okay. And she's smart, and she's really into grief books. She really likes them. She likes all of Nora's books. Okay. So she's got good taste. I trust her taste. And I want to be her best friend. And also the show This Is Us is a pure masterpiece. Okay. Usher versus Pharrell. Obviously music industry people. I feel like I would like Pharrell more as a person, but I, I don't ever listen to him aside from. Moneymaker? Come on. Nope. Don't know what you're talking about. That was the anthem of like my middle school. Yeah, you want to know my anthem of my middle school years? Taylor Swift. Don't tell no. Me. What? What? I was gonna talk about the Pharrell song, but you know what? Now, Maddie, if you want to talk about it, fine. Let's talk about it. <laughs> we know that I know every single lyric to every single Taylor Swift song by heart. Yes. What? No, it's offensive. Know, we can, you literally know, can't do an episode. You know now. the whole Taylor Swift discography, mm-hmm. and I know the whole Lil Wayne discography, and that's the difference between us. And you, you think that makes you better than me? I do, a little bit. 
<laughs> I'm just pissing you off. No, you know, you know this is a soft spot. I'm sorry. I know. I don't know how it all comes back to Taylor Swift every time. I don't know. I just think it's going to be a rift that I'm I just think right over. that in my head, it's so weird to me to think that Taylor Swift is 5'11". She is? <laughs> She's 5'11". Wow. That girl's almost six foot. I just picture her like petite and small and like hurting. Okay. Because <laughs> all of her songs are sad. That's why I don't listen to her because all of her songs are sad. Well, first of all, not correct. Second of all. I'm not listening to Shake It Off. I wasn't asking you to listen to Shake It Off. <laughs> That's not. You just threw this so hard at me. Because you genuinely just infuriated me. <laughs> I really didn't know you were this I, mad. Do you, my face is red. <laughs> I think I might be mad. I I think I was just surprised that you're actually frustrated. I thought this all was a joke. No, I told you that it's not a joke. You just don't take me seriously, Maddie. Like the time I told you I didn't want to watch the George <laughs> Brothers documentary. I knew- <laughs> I'm going to die. That's true. I did you not. made me. I didn't know that you were genuinely mad. <laughs> I said like four times, Maddie, I'm genuinely telling you that I don't want to watch it right now. And you said, shut up. I'm putting it on. <laughs> I, why? There is just no reason to me that. why? Except you for would, the reasons that I gave that you no, no, don't no. listen to. No, as the biggest Jonas Brothers stan, fan, whatever, ever. You love the Jonas Brothers more than anyone I know. What? No, I don't. What? Right now, you're not. I like Joe Jonas, but when did you get it in your head that I have a shrine to the Jonas? Wait, was Sharon here? Is she a big fan? I don't know. There was someone here who was a big fan. I'm not making that up. I mean, like, I'm a fan, but I'm not like <laughs> I thought someone here loved them. I don't know every song. Me either. What's happening? How did we get from Usher and Pharrell to this? What? Usher and Pharrell. Which oh. one? Are you going Usher uh, or Pharrell? Usher, I don't know. I know more Usher, but I agree. I think I like Pharrell I think I would like as a Pharrell person better. way, way, way better. Next one. These two I put together because they're both like quirky actresses. Okay. And I like them both. Zoe Deschanel. Okay. Versus Emma Stone. Oh, these are all hard. Every single time you say one, I'm like, oh, that one easy. And right? then you say someone else. Um, probably Zoe Deschanel only because I love New Girl. Okay. But I love Emma I love, love, love New Girl with my whole heart. It's my favorite show. I think I would pick Emma Stone. But I think it's because you don't like Jess. I think if you liked that character better. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Okay. <laughs> These ones are like two legends. <laughs> Did you just hear me <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know you were trying to hide it. You better leave that in. These two I put together because they're legends. And everyone, <laughs> I'm just laughing at the fact that we can't move on. Okay, go. Okay, these two I put together because they're legends, and everyone has seen at least three movies with this person, both of these people in it. Okay, and they both, I was gonna say, have the same first name, but they don't. They don't. <laughs> Very different names, Johnny Depp. Versus Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Why did you think they had the same I name? I don't know. This is the easiest answer I've given this whole game. 
Leonardo DiCaprio. Really? Johnny Depp is a piece of shit. <gasps> Why? He's the worst. Really? Yes. Yeah, so did you hear about the whole allegation that came out with his wife and everything that left him? No. Amber, I believe is her name. Rose. I forget her last name. Nope. Different. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, yeah, no, he's like a he has like a alcohol drug problem and he would like beat her up all the time. No way. Yeah, he has like multiple allegations against him. Not even just from her though. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well then that changes my answer because I like Johnny Depp's movies that he's yeah. in more. No, I do too. And I like young Johnny Depp, but I think he's gone downhill. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio sad. though, chef's mother effing kiss because love that boy. Love that boy more than life. Okay, let's go through the next one. Cardi B versus no. Megan the Stallion. I know, no, I'm just not picking one of those. What? Trash. You don't like Cardi or Meg? No. What? Mm-mm. Okay, well, I like both of them, <laughs> um, but I like Megan Thee Stallion more. I actually, if I had to pick, I would just pick anyone besides Cardi B just because I don't like Cardi B. Okay, that's fair. If you watch an interview with Meg Thee Stallion, you would like her. I probably would. I promise you. It's the it's the vibe. I think working at a school with girls, yes. I don't like I, the vibe that it gives them when I'm they listen to I'm not saying I it. love every song or yeah. what it means. Okay, that's our hot take. We're going to jump into the episode. Yeah. Okay, so this is a case that's not super popular. Not a lot of people know about it. I... Heard about it first from some podcast, but then I watched like a documentary series on it, and it's whack. So, really? oh my gosh, it's so crazy. It's literally in four separate parts. There's so many pages of notes, so I'm gonna try to like put together the pieces of how I want to say this, but I might be a little scatterbrained. But what else is new? Okay. Okay. So, this is the case of uh, Ashley Freeman and Laura Bible, um, and it takes place in good old Oklahoma. Nice. You Nothing know how good we feel about Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Lame. <laughs> What's happening? Corn. Um, oh wait, that's Nebraska. Here's the thing about the story that I think is most interesting. It starts off as your average run-of-the-mill house fire. Then, as it starts to get investigated, they find out that it's actually a murder scene. Then they find out that it's a double murder. And then they find out that it's actually a double murder, a house fire, and two girls have been abducted. What? So the story changes multiple times, and each time it gets a little bit crazier. And to this day, it is still unsolved. (gasps) Oh, no. You know how I feel about unsolved. I know. But it's in Oklahoma. We're so far removed. Okay. So basically, I think a lot of the stories that we end up talking about, it's like, oh, this was the idyllic town and the idyllic family, and everything was perfect, except for the fact that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. This is not one of those stories. So basically, this happens in Welch, Oklahoma, where... They describe it, the residents there describe it as beautiful because it has all these rolling plains and it's supposed to have like, I don't know what's pretty about Oklahoma, but they say it is. I don't know. I just trust them. Mm -hmm. Um, But they say that it also could be terrifying. It is a small farming community with 600 residents, super high poverty level and really high crime. Hmm. So not awesome things happen there in general, but because it's such a small town, this case like to this day since 1999 has haunted the Welch, Oklahoma. Like everybody still talks about it. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows the story. Everyone's related to someone who is impacted by the story. Yeah. That's creepy. I know. So, um, Laura Bible goes to the local high school in Welch, Oklahoma. She's a popular girl. She's a cheerleader and her best friend, best friend, her best friend, (laughs) but what's happening. I have to like be in character. Her best friend, um, is a girl named Ashley Freeman and they grew up together. They've been best friends forever. They're attached at the hip. Um, Laura's considered bubbly and fun. Ashley is sweet and timid. Yada, yada, yada. Best friends. Happily ever after. Whatever. So, well, clearly not. not. Sorry. Sorry. Not tasteful. Okay. So 
It is December 29th, 1999, and it's Ashley Freeman's 16th birthday. And she asks if her best friend, Laura, can sleep over at her house that night. And so uh, Laura's family, uh, apparently her dad says, okay, well, you have the animals to take care of tomorrow, so be home by noon. And she said, okay, tells her dad she loves him, runs out of the house with Ashley, and goes to sleep over that night for her birthday. Yeah. They go back to the Freeman's trailer, and they have cake and ice cream, very normal night. Ashley has a boyfriend over. His name's Jeremy Hurst. And he ends up bringing a gift over. They have cake. They chill. Everything's fine. Very normal. Um, Kathy and David Freeman, Ashley's parents are there too. So it's like a family affair. It's mm-hmm. not like a, like a, they're in a like, trailer by themselves. With yeah. Boy. Yeah. So, uh, in the late hours of December 30th, 1999, like morning hours, morning, a couple on their way to work at five 30 sees smoke on their drive to work. And they realize that it's coming from like an area where there's supposed to be houses. So they call 911. Um, and they see as they're driving in that they see a mobile home is on fire. Um, and so the fire department comes immediately and the sheriff's department is notified because immediately the fire department says it looks suspicious. They second, the second that they see the trailer. Oh, one of the reasons that they find that it's suspicious the second that they get the fire out is because only one body is found in the fire and they know that it's the Freeman family home. Um, and they don't know what body it is. They just see a body and it's burnt up. So they don't know. They can't tell. Yeah. So um, they immediately call Laura Bible's family to tell her that they have a body and Laura's missing or Laura is the body. They don't know which one it is, which is like a terrifying phone call to get because like, which is worse. It could or couldn't be. Yeah. Either like she's missing and no one knows where she is or she's dead. Right. So they call in the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigations, which is the OBSI. They come in once the body is found to investigate and they get there around 10 a.m. Okay. This is important. Okay. So the family is all waiting outside of the caution tape outside of this burnt up trailer. Laura Bible's family is just waiting there, like to get information about what the heck's going on with their daughter. The OSBI walks around the property to determine that they need to wait for the medical examiner to get there first before they can come up with anything definitive in general. Mm -hmm. The medical examiner gets there at 2 p.m. So they're waiting outside this caution tape to get any information about their daughter for For five hours. hours. And no one like takes them to the station. No one asks them any questions yet. They're literally just hovering there waiting for anything, probably like freaking out. Gosh, what a nightmare. I know. The medical examiner comes and gets Miss Bible. And they apparently know each other because, again, small town. Uh, She said she can't say anything officially, but she says that the person that they found has a wedding band and has four children. So narrows it down. It's Kathy Freeman. Um, So Kathy Freeman, they find her face down on her bed. They had a water bed and it had exploded because of the heat and had partially preserved Kathy's body. So they were able to identify her that way. I don't know how though, like what that, you know what I mean? But that still leaves three people completely unaccounted for. But they also find what's interesting is that the fire is not Kathy Freeman's cause of death. What? She wasn't set on fire or died. In so the fire. she wasn't like burnt to a crisp. She wasn't burnt to death. No. Oh. She died. And she just then had the severe fire. burns. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking like this person's burned all the way down to the bone. Well, she probably is, but she was dead first. I'm just saying, how do they tell that that wasn't her cause of death and that she bore children? Well, for the cause of death, it's probably because she doesn't have any smoke in her lungs. That's what I'm saying. There's still body parts yes, left. I was enough. picturing like literally her skeleton. <laughs> I don't know if that really happens that often. Okay. I'm just telling you that's why it wasn't making sense to me. (laughs) Um, They find that Kathy was actually shot with a shotgun in the back of the head. Whoa. So now they know that they're dealing with one murder is what they think and three missing persons, which would be Dave and the girls. So there's a couple different options that they're considering at this point. What do we know about Danny Freeman? Sorry. His name is not Dave. His name is Danny. What do we know about Danny Freeman? Is he a murderer? 
or was the whole family abducted? Did somebody come into the house looking for something, shoot Kathy for some reason and take the three of them? Did he snap and murder his wife and take the girls? Did the girls murder the mom and the dad is, you know, something, anything could have happened. Now, Danny Freeman does not have a perfectly clear track record. He has a history of domestic violence in the home. His father-in-law, Bill Chandler, has a restraining order against him. So clearly there's like some family issues already happening. So at 6 p.m. that evening, the Danny and the two girls are still missing. Eight hours after the fire, the police decide that it's time they're going to turn the property over to Dwayne, who is the stepbrother of Danny, which is only eight hours after the fire in an open investigation. Why would you hand over the property? Yeah. Like they're just going to take the caution tape down and just say it's a done deal. That's weird. Right. Um, they say there's nothing else we can do were the terms that was the exact term they used. Dwayne literally says, I should have been a suspect and you're releasing the scene to me. He's like, I'm a close family friend. Like, right. I, I could be anyone. And you didn't even ask me one single question and you just handed me over the crime scene. Yeah. That's very weird. Yeah. So December 31st, the next day, the Bibles immediately returned to the crime scene. That's now open. They realize that no one's looking for the girls. So, why? Um, well, we're going to get to that. There's kind of a conspiracy sort of as to why that might have happened. So he's looking, Mr. Bible's looking at the unburned flooring and he says he sees what looks like hamburger meat. And so he starts getting closer and closer and he realizes that just kidding, there's a body there. Oh. And not even that, but he can tell that it's a man's body. He can see the clothes that are on it. He can see feet under the waterbed that is still left there. And it's like he's walking outside, like the outside of the trailer has burned down. So he's walking around like the, the outside rubble. In. Yeah. And he can see all of it there. He can see that the face is gone, but the chin and his bottom teeth are still there. And oh he knows that it's Danny Freeman. Why wouldn't they say that? Exactly. It's still there. Like as if no one saw it or everyone ignored it. But the OSBI was there all day. And so was the medical examiner. What? He was just sitting there. He was like, I walked up. It wasn't hard to see. There was no way you could have missed him. Why, if they are doing that bad of a job or they're hiding something, why would they just give over the property for people to find all the things that they weren't reporting? No one knows. So they don't know if they were being lazy or if it was a conspiracy or what. Because if it was a conspiracy, it was a bad one. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense because it was a fully intact body. It wasn't like, oh, this is ash. He was only there for a couple of minutes before he even found it. It wasn't like he was searching around all day in the rubble. Like, he just saw it. So so weird. The Bibles are able to say exactly what he was wearing. That's how much detail, wow. like, it's still left of his body. They see footprints on his torso where he had been walked on, thinking – they're thinking it was probably the investigators that yeah. kept walking on his body. So they've already tampered with the crime scene. They're obviously able to confirm the body, and they found that he also did not die from the fire. He was shot in the face. So he must have been facing the attacker whenever whoever it was came in oh my uh, and then damaged from the fire was postmortem after he'd already died. Mm-hmm. So now the options are different. Were the girls abducted? It, were the parents killed so that the girls could be abducted or did the girls kill the parents and run? The police try to make the trailer a crime scene again, but the Bibles, the Bible family is like very with it and they like throw a fit. They're like, you already released this. You clearly didn't know what you were doing. Hell no. That doesn't make any sense. So they, I think they work it out with Dwayne. And they figure out, like, no, we're not giving it back to them. Yeah. We're doing this how we want to do it now. So they put together search parties in their community. And the police hadn't even done that at this point. And this That's is, like, awful. two days in and you have two teenage Missing girls. Teenage, yeah. Yeah. So they personally sift through the bones and the remains of that house for hours. And they find no bones or uncover any evidence of the girls. What they do find, though, at the house is Laura's keys in the ignition of her car. So they never left. Apparently not. I mean, if you were, if you were going to run away – you would at least take your keys. 
probably. They also find money and ID in the house. So they didn't take that, which if you're running away, you would take that too. But if you're just trying to escape a house that mm -hmm. someone's intruding in, then you wouldn't. Then you wouldn't grab those. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't get away in time and they right. got taken out of the car. Right. Huh. So that's the option. So, it, but it just means like they didn't leave willingly. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't like they murdered the parents and booked it. Yeah. The Bibles insisted that they put the girls in the missing children's alert system. Police chief hadn't done that, had put in an Amber alert, nothing. Oh, world. Yeah. Um, they find out that this is actually against Oklahoma state law. It should be top tier, all hands on deck for a missing juvenile every single time. There's no way that, like that right. always looks like that. Even if you think you have a runaway and they didn't even think these girls ran away. Right. No one looks for them. Um, the, and the, basically they all end up getting in trouble for the fact that they basically botched the whole beginning of this. Um, their parents have to, um, make a word document and put flyers all over town of their daughter because the police just don't do it. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'd be so mad. Yep. Um, and this, I think that goes to show too, like whenever you have a police forces that aren't trained, but also really poor areas where they don't have the resources, they don't know and trained them correctly. Like yeah, you just have people that are awful. poor that no one, no one fights for them, you know? Yeah. Um, so Dwayne, the stepbrother of Danny Freeman, has his own theories about what happened. He says that two weeks before the murders, he had stopped by the house when he was in the area to hang out with Danny. And Danny was uh, like very visibly shaken and seemed kind of like afraid. So Dwayne asked him what was wrong, like why he was so nervous. And Danny poked him in the chest and said very cryptically, if anything ever happens to me, you look at the sheriff's department. No. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. So other than this cryptic hint, there's no other real leads. And it's hard to get the sheriff's department to investigate themselves. So oh, right. it's like, you know, they, they, he doesn't really know what to do with this information. But the Freeman extended oh, family is adamant that something happened to Danny because of the sheriff's department. And it all ties back to the 17-year-old Shane Freeman, Kathy and Danny's son, who was murdered previously. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. So their son. Oh, that's scary. Um, not Laura Bible. No, the Freemans. Yeah, her brother got killed. Mm -hmm. By who? By a sheriff's deputy. A deputy. A sheriff's deputy in Craig County. So for doing what? One year prior to this whole fire, Shane was shot and killed. Shane was described as athletic, a sweet kid. He was ladies' man. Um, ladies' man. Ladies' man. Oklahoma <laughs> man. Um. So apparently in his teenage years, though, he did start to become pretty rebellious and he started breaking into places. And at first it was like fun, like petty, stupid, kid, stupid stuff. kid stuff, I guess. But eventually the sheriff's department was made aware of it because then it started to be like actual serious break-ins. At one point, he even broke into the Bible's house, even though they're like oh. family friends. So he had taken food and guns from them. And so January 8th, 1999, Shane's truck breaks down along the side of a remote road. So there's a deputy named David Hayes who comes up and sees that he's broken down. Shane is wanted and rumored to be armed at this mm -hmm. point. So according to Deputy Hayes, he approached the vehicle. Shane turned to the side to grab a shotgun. Hayes fired in self-defense. The official ruling was self-defense. But apparently there was a whole situation with that where the Freemans just were not buying it. So when the Freemans are told by the sheriff's department, however, they're told that no gun was visible and that Shane didn't have a weapon on him at all. But then that story changes. So the Freemans are sketched out by the police. The police are sketched out by the Freemans. It's just sure, whole ordeal. That's horrible. And it's like in a small town. Everybody knows everybody. 
So um, that ends up starting a war between the both of them. This becomes urban legend in the small town that there is bad blood between the family and the police, mm. which I just think is so weird. What? Like, I never grew up in a town like that. Like, the fact that something like this would happen, it just feels weird. What do you mean? I don't know. Like, I never knew of a family that would have had beef with the police. It wasn't like... I grew up everyone had beef with the police. Like, this just feels weird. Like, small town drama. <laughs> so, um, the Freeman started saying that the police are harassing their family. They would follow Ashley to the school bus stop with her boyfriend around town. Like, just trying to make their presence known. Yeah. The police say that Danny Freeman was the one who was harassing their deputies. Um, the deputies all pass polygraphs, though, pertaining to Shane's death. So they it, they end up oh. ruling it as that they're not lying. Interesting. And that he, yeah. So no one really knows the official ruling on that. But there's obviously a lot of animosity that's going on. Um, but people start bringing their tips about what's going on in the case directly to Mrs. Bible and not going through the police at all because they don't trust the police in the area either. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, a new sheriff is elected uh, the following year, and his name is Jimmy Souter. His platform, like one of his main things of his platform whenever he gets elected, is that he's going to solve the Freeman and Bible missing person's case. Oh, so people wow. immediately went. And these girls, like now everybody in the town knows of them. They like yeah. want them found. So around this time, there's information coming out from the neighboring Ottawa County. Um, Craig County is where Welch is. And then there's this like farming, like prairie town. And Ottawa County is supposed to be, like, the rugged side of that. And they're, like, right next to each other. Okay. Um, and they call it the outlaw land. Okay. Because it's real bad. So, in the county prison or jail or whatever, there are multiple informants who claim to have seen the girls at a New Year's Eve party after the fire took place in Ottawa County. But the girls are being held against their will. Multiple sources all say this, but they're all saying the same thing. So normally you can't necessarily trust a jailhouse informant immediately because they might just say anything like to look cool. But multiple people that aren't connected to each other are saying that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this New Year's Eve party, they're able to kind of investigate what they're talking about. And it is at a known meth house that lots of people are always in and out of. Uh. Addicts on vendors, the whole bit. Lots of people that have a long criminal records. All revolved around meth, though. They have a really big meth problem in the area. They realize the pattern. The investigators want to figure out the link with meth in the area because they think that it might have something to do with why the girls were taken. If the girls were taken, why would they be taken by meth heads? Like, what's the connection yeah. there? And what did they have against the Freemans? Um, so then they think, what if the girls are tied in with local drug crime, whether it was voluntarily or involuntarily, whether it was the Freemans or the girls themselves or what? So, so investigators go to see <laughs> Randall Madewell. He is a meth cook living out of a motel at the time this whole thing happens. And he's like trying to turn his life around at this point. But he's being in the documentary I watched. He's being interviewed. He is referred to strictly as cowboy. No. Which I think is awesome. So um, cowboy. So cowboy. Um, at the time he is recover. Oh, at the time of the interview, I think this is important to mention. He is recovering from stab wounds. Um, so he's like limping around and like going kind of slow in the interview because he like hit, literally had just been stepped. Oh my God. So if this tells you anything about what this guy's like, um, he says that yes, information and gossip had gone around about the girls. Everybody knew about it. He said that he always heard that it was a drug deal gone bad, that the parents were murdered and that the girls were abducted. It's just like collateral damage. Dang. So the question is, does Danny Freeman have a link to the meth world in Ottawa? Danny's father talks in the interviews and he thinks that his son did have ties. He's like, yeah, no, my son probably did do that. Because again, he doesn't have the cleanest record in the world. Mm -hmm. He said, Danny sure wasn't no angel. 
He was known for selling high-grade weed, but apparently there are rumors in the town that he did start dabbling here and there with, like, bigger drugs, harder drugs. So, Chester Shadwick is a popular meth cook familiar with law enforcement in the area. There's allegedly a videotape from the Shadwick property that could have been the New Year's Eve party where the girls were seen. Hmm. So, they're thinking of, like, multiple locations of this house. Um, There's a criminal investigator who says that there was an affidavit that led to a search of the property... Um, because people had said that they had seen, they knew that house and that it was definitely Chester Shadwick's. In the video, people say that they recognize the girl in the video as Ashley Freeman. You can't really see her apparently. They don't have the video anywhere for like us to see, but it's this girl who apparently looks kind of similar to her. They can't really tell completely. Again, it's probably 1999 footage, so it's not like it's going to be awesome. Super clear. Yeah. But here's the catch. This video was apparently taken on January 6th. So that would have been six days after they disappeared. So how long were they kept alive? Are they still alive? Are they being trafficked? Why did they run away to go to a party six days after their parents died? Well, are they being held captive there? Are people making them stay there? Right. So no one knows. So the OSBI gets a search warrant to search the Shadwick property in June of 2001. That's a long time. Yeah. And I mean, like murder investigations usually do go around this long, but still that's a long freaking time. So they are looking for a VHS tape that has evidence on it. Um, Apparently that's another rumored thing. A lot of this is like revolving around like weird small town rumors. Mm -hmm. They find nothing at the Chadwick residence, but very close to that property is the home of Paul Jr. and Sr. Glover. That's not a good way to say it. The the Paul Glovers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, They're the most notorious in the area for meth dealing and cooking. Some sources claim that this is where the party took place. And that's why it looked kind of similar. Lots of rumors are about them and the girls. And everybody says the term, they got the girls first. Insinuating that they, the girls immediately went to them. But then who got them next? Oh. You know? Yeah, it's gross. So Cowboy, good old Cowboy, says that he heard that the mo- he heard that story the most. And he told the police he thought that they were the ones that were involved, if he had to guess. Oh. July of 2001, the police searched that property, too. They are confident, so they bring machinery even to dig up the ground, cadaver dogs. They're, like, so confident they're going to find the girls there. While the Glovers, they do find blood. There's a splotch on the carpet in a back bedroom. They cut it up, submit it to the crime lab, and it comes back inconclusive. It turns out that it wasn't even human blood, so they have literally nothing from that entire thing either. So it's another dead end. They can't find any physical evidence to tie any of these people to the cases at all, just more rumors. So none of them have been charged in relation to the case. So for this next six months after that, the case is still cold. So now we're going into 2002. Wow. Mm-hmm. So 2002, the OSBI has a person in prison in Texas who says he knows something about the girls. And all of a sudden that knows something turns into him saying that he did it. So Tommy Lynn Sells is a famous serial killer who's on death row for a separate murder. He writes a letter into the newspaper that includes the statement, what do I remember about December 30th? I want to say this. I remember that there were two bodies. Well, I believe I can take you to two bodies. I also want to remember a fire. So he left a trail of victims apparently across the country after a 15-year period on railways was like his thing of where he would find victims. He gets caught murdering one little girl and almost murdering another little girl who ends up being a witness and identifying him. And he ends up being put on death row and connected to all this stuff in Texas. Is he dead? Um, I actually don't know. I'll have to look it up. I think he might be now. Um, yeah, he's just a scumbag, but he was, this all happened in Texas. This whole thing with all of, with these two girls, 
this was one day after Ashley and Laura had gone missing. So potential he was on a, um, what's the word? I don't know. Spree. Yes. Okay. He's on a killing spree. There you go. But how would he get there? Yeah, but it's timing. I mean, Oklahoma and Texas aren't far, but it still really limits the time that he could have done it. So the OSBI and the sheriff's department go to Texas, talk to him, and he confesses everything. He tells them that he can take them to the woods where he has the bodies buried. He ends up taking the police to several different locations, claiming that he's lost, but all of them turn up and empty. He sends them on a wild goose chase for a period of two days, and then eventually he confesses that he just wanted time out of his cell um, and some attention because he didn't ever have the girls, and he has no idea anything about them. Everything he said was from the newspapers. Oh. No. Yep. So then there are several cold years, and so the families are, like, slowly losing hope. Um, close to the five-year anniversary of the fires, though, they have a new name that comes into the picture that gives the most promising lead that the investigation has ever had following the dead ends that they've had for years. What? A man named Jeremy Jones. So Jeremy Jones is arrested in Mobile, Alabama for rape, arson, and murder. And he is from good old Ottawa County. Ooh. Um, his victim that he gets arrested for is shot and killed in a trailer, and her name is Lisa Nichols. He has an extensive record at this point. He tells investigators, I have to tell you about some girls in Oklahoma. He says he's always had a guilty conscience about it. He's a meth user known in the area. So all of it is really making sense. Jeremy Jones provides a detailed confession. Um, and he says that he walked in. He kills Danny first. He then manages to tackle Kathy on the bed, shoots her in the head. There's fuel in the house that he uses to burn the trailer, leaves the trailer, stand outside to watch the fire. Then the two girls come running out. He didn't know that they were even in there, apparently. They see this guy standing there, so they ask him for help. He says, just get in the truck. We're going to get out of here and get away from this thing on fire, this trailer on fire. As soon as they get in the truck, though, he holds them at gunpoint, locks the doors, and he realizes he doesn't know what to do with them. He wasn't trying to kidnap anybody. But he drives them out in the country, shoots them, dumps them in a hole out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. January 2005. Um, the OSBI and the OSD, I have no idea what that, oh, Oklahoma, oh, Oklahoma Sheriff's Department, I guess, mm-hmm. go down to interview him. He goes out there to kill Danny Freeman because he said he owed him $10,000. So Kathy and the girls were just collateral damage. He said the parents deserved it, but the girls were innocent and he did feel bad about the girls. Mm-hmm. He said if he hadn't seen them, he wouldn't have had to do it. Oh. Or if they hadn't seen him, I mean, he, they, he wouldn't have had to do it. So they still don't have any evidence that Danny Freeman was selling meth, using meth. They knew about the weed, but they didn't know anything to confirm the meth. They just knew that he had close ties to the drug world and drug scene in general. Mm -hmm. Investigators can confirm that Jones was in the area around the time of the Freeman fire, though. He was arrested the day after for intoxication and paraphernalia in the town over. He was on a stretch of highway out in the country and said he was being chased by none other than Cowboy. Oh, our man cowboy cowboy refers to Jones as a piece of shit. So there's a little bit of bad blood there, I guess. (laughs) Cowboy describes the incident and said that Jones kept banging on his motel room door. He was very obviously high. And he said, I chased him down around there. My cowboy boots, my cowboy hat and my boxers. (laughs) Um, He basically has a very limited timeline of what that would have looked like. He had to drive to Galena, Kansas, which is 40 miles north to dispose of the girls. If it's according to his story. So the window of time is pretty small, but it's possible. So a dig is organized. There's mines all in that area, though, in this field. So they have to, like, dig around the mines, and it takes way longer. So they search for two days. They come up with nothing. 
And so around the time that they're searching, Jeremy Jones decides that he is going to recant his entire statement after they can't find the bodies, which isn't super uncommon, but still he does it. And then after that, he's not willing to cooperate with the police at all. Whenever it comes to the investigation, he says he has nothing to do with it. What in the world? Yeah, it's terrible. So basically what people think at this point is that maybe his story was real in the sense of what he did to the Freemans, but what he did to the girls might be wrong, where he probably did take them to the party and he added all these fake details either to make himself feel better and to make himself look better or whatever, because it was possible he could have used the girls for drugs, use them to make money, mm-hmm. whatever that looked like. And all of these people said they saw them. It's not like it was just a couple people. Right. So for the next couple of years, Lorene Bible, who is amazing, Mrs. Bible, she never stops working to find her daughter and to find Ashley. She ends up setting up all these cute like Facebook pages and Instagram so that she can Aww. get new leads. And everybody submits tips through like the Facebook page and the Instagram. They don't do it through the police. Still. Still to this day. So this is in December 2015. A new lead comes in through the what? Facebook page. Um, it is a message to Lorene and it says you need to look at Charlie Kreider. So Charlie Kreider worked with Danny Freeman back in the day. They grew weed together. Everyone knew this in the town. There's no, like, proof, proof, but everyone knew. Mm -hmm. Um, Dwayne, the stepbrother of Danny, says that he had suspicions about Charlie. He never wanted to go back to the trailer after it was burnt to, like, check it out or look for evidence or anything. He seemed really scared of it, and that struck Dwayne as odd. He was arrested for murder in 2005 in North Dakota. He murdered Judith Shrum, a woman who worked at the school that he worked at as a bus repairman. Mm -hmm. She went missing for a few days. They find her partially nude and strangled. Um, But he was released after pleading guilty in 2017. Whoa. Yes. So there's there's a lot there. Clearly he has a past. So they end up looking at his former property. They look in a well that he has um, in January 2016 on the Wait, property. he pleaded guilty to murder and only served 13 years? Um, apparently. Yeah. He might have gotten out. I don't, I'm on like a plea deal. Or, I'm not a plea deal uh, um, on probation or something. I don't That's know. crazy. Um, so they conduct the search on the well and they don't end up finding anything. So then people start saying, you probably looked in the wrong place. You need to look at Charlie's old house because they had the house got burnt down, but they had repaved the basement with new concrete. So um, it's kind of hard to search, but they managed to do it. They start digging. They're digging up cement slabs, the whole bit. Nothing is there. So Heath Winfrey is the new sheriff in January of 2017. He was a teenager at the time of the murders, and he is focused on the Bible and the Freeman case. He, like, really wants to get it solved. When he first starts, he finds a box of evidence that was considered forgotten about by the previous administration. So he calls the DA's office to ask what they know about it. They say that that, all of that evidence was supposed to be submitted. No one had seen it for 18 years. What? And it had never been examined. (gasps) What the heck? So now there's an entire new generations of investigators over the cases. So now it's like they have more of a chance than ever to solve the case. So April 2018, the DA has to make an announcement about the case. So it comes out that they're going to say something new about it. Everyone two years ago. Yeah, literally. Everyone is anxiously awaiting what the announcement's going to be. They have footage of the families gathered at the courthouse waiting. They finally make an arrest. Ronnie Music. What? Yeah. So another yeah. another person out of the million and ten people involved Ugh, in this. It's too much. So Phil Welch and David Pennington are dead, but Ronnie Music is still alive. All three men would have been arrested, but Ronnie Music's the only one that's alive. Ronnie Music is sixty six at the time of his arrest. Whoa. Um, this is the first arrest in eighteen years. Phil Welch was considered a guy who was born bad. He was on meth. 
Apparently he was also fanatically religious, so I'm not sure <laughs> what happened there. So, okay. Um, Pennington was a roommate. He was most likely connected, the one who was the connection to Danny. Okay. Um, they worked in welding together, and they traveled in some of the same circles, so he probably got somehow involved in a meth scene with that. Yeah. Now, Ronnie Music has a hazy memory, but he was on meth. Why did you do that? Because you yeah. have a hazy memory? <laughs> Um, he's in jail for, uh, drug possession at the time of the arrest. So, you know, saves him some time. Um, they aren't unfamiliar names because I guess they've been circulated in all of this craziness for the past, like, 20 years. They are some of the first tips in the case at the very beginning, though, and no one had ever really followed up on it. The affidavit states that many witnesses tried to come forward with these three men as tips, but no one listened to them. All the witnesses are labeled by initials to protect them. Um, a few people are considered girlfriends now. Like they're able to go back and say that this was, so I have the initials on here, which I'll explain. So apparently all three of the men brag about killing the girls and then threatens them and says, no one is going to tell the police. Like none of you are going to tell the police. And he, um, describes how he got rid of the girls as just being dumped in a pit. He never says where it is. So a private investigator back in the day had found a car insurance information card at the scene, which did not belong to anyone in the family. It had nothing to do with anything, according to authorities. <laughs> what? Yeah. They find out that the card belongs to a woman in Pitcher, Oklahoma. They track down the card. It's in a junkyard. The woman turns out she's the person who's labeled as EB in the affidavit. She was a girlfriend of Phil Welch. Whoa. Weird. So Dwayne is pissed. He had told people to investigate that insurance card. There were so many tips telling them to go back and check, and nobody followed up. So he's just mad. Um, so this is what ends up leading to the arrest, the Polaroids. People oh. around town have seen or heard about the Polaroids taken of the girls. Busick had kept them in his briefcase. A former girlfriend reported this to police. The girls were emaciated, bound, and gagged. Oh. I know. Um, Busick says that he didn't do anything. He has no idea what they're talking about. Uh, David Pennington's stepdaughter reaches out to Lorraine on Facebook shortly after the arrest. And she says that he was a huge meth dealer and a seller. He was really badly involved um, and that he was involved with Phil through that. Um, Phil had always made Jerry, the stepdaughter, really uncomfortable. And she says that he was scary, made her stomach turn. She wouldn't have been surprised if they were involved in all of this. Whoa. So Phil's involvement in the murder was obvious to her, but she was surprised by her father in general. She said um, he had, she had been to the Freemans before and remembered being there as a kid. Oh. So clearly there's, like, connections there. <laughs> oh, this is interesting. Okay. Basically, again, all of these people know through the grapevine everything that happened. And so they're filming this documentary that I'm watching, and they're going around to the old properties of the houses. And as they're there, a guy pulls up really sketchily um, at the house of Ron Fusick. He comes up and agrees to be on camera with his face blurry and his voice altered because he doesn't want anybody to, to notice him or not notice him, identify him. Mm -hmm. um, he says he <laughs> believed that Dave Pennington was involved. And then when they asked how he knows that, he said, I, know, I just know so. This guy says that he knew Busick and that Busick had confessed to him because he confessed to everybody. He told people that he never saw the pictures, but Busick had told him about it. Uh, and he said, yeah, I'm the one that's in the affidavit. I'm RH. This guy that that just pulled up. What? Yeah, he, like, lives in the neighborhood. He's a, he's a neighbor. Um, and his story that he tells is exactly what's in the affidavit. And he, he doesn't have access to the affidavit. So it has to be him. Hmm. 
So people now say that they are in the pitcher mines, which are in the in pitcher Oklahoma. They go on for miles and miles. Everyone says that if the girls' bodies are in there, no one is ever going to find them. Um, Ronnie does a competency trial and in December 2019 was deemed competent to stand trial for the quadruple homicide of the family and Laura Bible. He um, has a traumatic brain injury, so his memory is altered, but he is still considered competent. The preliminary hearing is on March 26th of this year, so it just passed. I don't know what happened. I didn't look it up. He might be – oh, oh, no, just kidding. Just kidding. Preliminary hearing was supposed to be on March 26th, but corona happened, so they're waiting. Oh. Yeah. Um, They couldn't find updated – oh, I tried to find updated information on his inmate records, but I couldn't find anything that was updated past that. Interesting. Yes. So that is the unsolved slash kind of solved case of the Freemans that is very, very loaded with a lot of information. Very gross. Also, I just remembered something. I don't know how I didn't think to mention this, but did you hear about Scott Peterson? No. He's getting a new trial. What? Yeah. Well, they're they're retrying his death penalty case right now. Oh. So he's getting retried for the death penalty and because he, of an unfair trial. Because of an unfair trial, because they tried to move that trial. Remember how they mm-hmm. had like an unfair voting or an unfair mm-hmm. uh, jury pool? And so they moved it just like a county over, but it didn't work. All of the jurors yeah. were still biased. So now he's might be off death row. Wow. I know. Exciting times. All right. Well, yeah. So that's another really sad, terrible case. And um, I'm scared again. I love it. I love it. And let us know what your theory on this is. I'm curious. I don't. There's a lot of names, so you probably don't remember. I don't remember. There's a lot of people on math. Don't do math, everybody. (laughs) Don't go to Oklahoma, okay? Don't go to Oklahoma. Don't do math, Emerson. What's your advice? Quick. Listen to Katy Perry's new music. What? (laughs) No. (laughs) If you want to make Emerson happy, listen to Katy Perry's new music. Or just like text me about it. Yeah. You don't have to. Should a baby. Okay, bye. Average and only.